peace. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. In our season opener, we touched on the mentality that it takes to be able to even take the leap to start your entrepreneurial journey. Now, in this episode, we're going to get into what your mentality needs to be to actually lead an organization and to get people to follow your vision and to work towards the goals that you set out, whether your team is one other person or 50 other people. As a leader, you have to work to serve your team's needs, not the other way around. They're not there to serve you. You need to understand what is gonna set set them up to perform at their best as an individual and as a collective, and then deliver that to them. And the end result is gonna end up being they'll perform at a really high level. So I have an amazing guest this week, Tisha Sampson, and we have a great conversation about the empathy that's required to be a service-oriented leader and how that plays out as you build your organization. Let's get into it. What would you, what would you say your purpose is? Mm, transforming lives at this point. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of weight that comes along with that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it is a heavy bag to carry. Um, but I feel like I'm suited. For it. I was built for this. Yeah. Yeah. I respect it. So you say um, there's a, there's a weight. Like there, I, I can make some assumptions. I think I understand what you mean, but instead of me putting words in, in, in your mouth, I want to hear how you talk about it, how you think about it. How does that weight show up for you? Like, what, what does it feel like? So if my purpose is to, to feed people and to feed them well, yeah. right, their families, uh, to make sure that their needs are met, uh, to make sure that their work environment is better with my company than it would be with without my company uh-huh. that takes a lot of ownership a lot of dedication uh if i do not pay a man he cannot feed his family right and that weighs heavily i have a huge responsibility uh to ensure that that these grown men can feed their families Peace. Welcome to another episode of Bootstraps. I'm super excited about this one. This is my my day one. Um, we go we go back since Big Wheels and now and later Candies. You know what I mean. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? I'm Tisha Sampson. I have a small fleet of trucks. Uh, I also dabble in uh, psychotherapy. I say I dabble as a joke. Um, I have my master's in uh, clinical social work. So I have a side business doing life coaching and uh, psychotherapy services as well. <laughs> so you just kind of got a little something cooking over here, a little something cooking over there. Like, how, so how did you get into entrepreneurship? You just had an idea for something and went after it or like how did, how did that start for you? Yeah, so it started really as a a quest to really make some change. So uh, as opposed to simply having dialogue with people and changing their lives that way, I wanted to really make a financial impact. I wanted to be able to feed uh, people's families. 
Yeah. And I wanted to be able to treat them well and, and give them an opportunity to work in a space that felt a little bit more like family and a little less like uh, the rigor that typically, you know, people go through when they have to show up to a job in a strange environment, maybe beg for a seat at the table, maybe not be treated with respect and, and those sorts of things. So, and I also wanted to be a producer uh, mm. from the consumer space into the producer space. Yeah, yeah. So I think that when I, when I, what I hear in that answer is, is like the why has to do with impact and purpose, right? So you want to have impact in other people's lives and then you want to have a purpose in your life. You don't want to look up and be like, okay, I spent, you know, let's say God willing 90 plus years on this planet not producing anything. You wanted to like leave a mark. So again, that kind of goes back to impact that that's that's what i'm hearing you say that's right absolutely definitely yeah. I, I wanted a greater impact yeah and and i wanted to be able to do that in a space where i have more ownership so mm -hmm. my nine to five is typically uh lots of red tape lots of bureaucracy lots of of those sorts of things and i wanted to be able to get straight in there and and make the changes make the impact as you mentioned the way that i saw fit the way that I saw them deserving of. Yeah, yeah, I dig. I wonder, it's a theoretical thing, but I wonder if you could measure like how much time, resources, or life is wasted dealing with unnecessary bureaucracy, right? Because I think there is some bureaucracy that's good. You make sure that you check and double check so you don't waste or mess up or screw up. But I just feel intuitively there's so much bureaucracy that is... A, a waste of time, and B, really just a petty person being petty, just trying to like put you through the ropes. And if you were to pull back and say someone spends, you know, 50 years of their life working for someone else in the nine to five, like how much of that 50 years is spent on unnecessary wasted bureaucracy? I would think that the, the number is pretty high. Yeah, waiting in line. You know, that's where we spend a lot, a large portion of our time. Yeah. To, to cut that line down so that I can get straight to my purpose. Right, right. I respect that. What would you, what would you say your purpose is? Mm. Transforming lives at this point. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of weight that comes along with that. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it is a heavy bag to carry. Um, but I feel like I'm suited. For it. I was built for this. Yeah. Yeah. I respect it. So you say um, there's a there's a weight like there. I I can make some assumptions. I think I understand what you mean. But instead of me putting words in, in, in your mouth, I want to hear how you talk about it, how you think about it. How does that weight show up for you? Like what, what does it feel like? So if my purpose is to to feed people and to feed them well. Right, right. your families, uh, to make sure that their needs are met, uh, to make sure that their work environment is better with my company than it would be with without my company. Uh -huh. That takes a lot of ownership, a lot of dedication. Uh, if I do not pay a man, he cannot feed his family. Right. And that weighs heavily. I have a huge responsibility 
uh, to ensure that that these grown men can feed their families. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's real. That's what I kind of thought that your answer was going to be along those lines. I, I think about it's kind of like um like when you're a kid, you can just blame everything on your parents. Uh, and then when you grow up and you become responsible for the household, you're like, oh, like I see why my mom or my dad or my grandma, whoever it was, said and did these things. It becomes it becomes different when you don't get to just complain about it, but you're responsible for finding the solution to it, which is uh, you know, that's something that I'm I'm dealing with now as I'm building my company, which is 31st. And as as it's growing and as I am getting uh, like, for example, if, if there's an email and I wake up to emails all the time, like there's an email that comes in, there's a problem with this. There's no one I can forward the email to. And if there's not an answer for it, then I have to go find an answer for it. And if I don't find an answer for it, I'm now negatively impacting my teammates who are frustrated. They're like, look, you wanted me to come work with you on this new company. I'm working with you on it. I need this thing solved. I can't do my job if it's not solved. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting? What was born of that problem is that I learned to ask my employees to uh, not simply bring a problem to me, but a solution or two. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. So then that way you can enroll them too. And and, and, because I think, you know, two minds are better than one, four better than two, especially folks learn how to work well together. They're really bringing their best, putting their best foot forward. Um, and then you, you've also talked a lot about um, the impact you want to have and people being able to feed their families. Like I have a whole like pretty deep belief. It's kind of like where I see like the invisible hand of like systemic racism and oppression, right? It's like when I would show up to work and I would see people being held back from promotions that they need or if I was being held back from a promotion I feel that I needed or had earned. No one, I don't know if, if people were thinking about a top of mind or not, but I was thinking about a top of mind, you know, not just for me, I would see other people in the organization who were really accomplished and they're doing great work, but they were being underpaid, right? There was an individual, I won't say his name, but he and I, uh, we went golfing a couple of weeks ago and He's now at a different company. He's being paid really well. He has a title that he deserves. But the previous company we were at together, he was several levels beneath his skill set. But whenever we had a big strategic problem, they would always invite him to the room. And he would bring amazing thinking that would help us solve problems that were going to lead to a lot of uh, revenue and growth. And I would sit there and I would look at that. I'm like, this man is easily being paid $50,000 less than he deserves. Easily. And that $50,000 was a very real impact, right? Because it's not landing in his savings account, his checking account, his retirement account, his kids 529 saving up for college or whatever it is he needs to spend to use that money on for his family. And it's kind of this invisible, you know, no one's calling him a slur, right? No one's um, saying he can't work here. He's, he's working there, but he's just being undercompensated for his abilities and the work that he brings to the table. So when I hear you talking about being able to have an impact by how you and you 
pay people enough so they can feed their families, feed their family well. Um, that's what comes to mind for me. Like, what's 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 the motivation behind that for you? Well, not always having a a meal of my own. Mm. That was probably the impetus for um, my entire business philosophy. I eat last as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always make sure that my employees eat first and they eat very well. That's one of the reasons why I keep a day job is so that I can ensure that I'm not competing with my own philosophy, which is that, right, 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 right. I'm, I'm, my philosophy is to uh, make sure that they're paid well, that they eat well, that their work is recognized and celebrated. And if I am competing with them for the money that's earned, then mm. I, have a, I have a conflict of interest there. Mm. Speak on it. No, that's so one is I think it's very self-aware. Two, I think is empathetic. And three, I think it speaks to why we need more leaders, both within organizations, also starting their own companies. Yeah. Right. And the conversation we're having is focusing on starting our own companies, but but folks with different backgrounds who have different experiences to start their own companies and or be leaders because they're going to show for people in different ways. They know what it's like to, to go without or to be othered or to be marginalized. And so then you show up in the, in the right way. I just had a flash of people who I was like, the number of instances in which I felt like someone who was responsible for the size of my paycheck was competing with me. Yeah. And you know, that's, not a good feeling, you know? No, and it's actually not good for business. Yeah. Um, because when the employees know that they will get paid on time, that they will get paid well, um, then I have no comp- I have no uh, real issues finding more employees. I have right. more requests and applications for drivers than I have trucks to put them in. For that's, that. a, that's a beautiful thing. That is... That is amazing. And I think about, you know, my experience as a leader, it has been the same thing. Like you take care of your people, your job. My, my job as a leader is not to come in and give you orders. It's not to, <laughs> it's not to tell you to go get me coffee. I, mean, I, I had a literal story flashed in my mind where I was at a, a meeting with multiple layers of, of leadership. So it was like my team was there. So my subordinates were there. And then this is in a previous life before I started my own company. So the team of subordinates were there. Plus then a couple of people who were above me were there as well. And the meeting started super early. It started at like 7.30 in the morning. So I knew that my team had not gotten coffee yet because it was so abnormally early. They were just busting their butt to get there on time. And so meeting wraps around 9 a.m. And I know that, A, they're exhausted from being up earlier than they normally would be. And B, they needed coffee. So I was like, look, give me your coffee order because we're meeting off site. I know you guys are all going back to the office. You guys are going back to the office. I'm going to go pick up coffee for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as an act of service, I feel like that's actually what your job is as a leader. Take care of your people, set them up for success. Make sure that they're eating well and that they're happy. They have everything they need to be successful. So then they'll go out and they'll perform. 
And a person who was there that was my manager at the time, he, he, met, he met the Harbor City side of me real quick. Because he, he said, oh, you're going, you're going to get coffee? He's like, do you know my coffee order? And I'll spare you all the details, but I was just like, no, and I'm not interested in knowing. And he was like, oh, you should know your boss's coffee order. And I was like, you don't see what's wrong. I'm going to buy them coffee. So if you want to get on this, you probably should be sending me back to the office. And you should be getting our coffee orders. You can go buy all of us coffee. People don't work for companies, they work for people. A thousand, a thousand percent. And so he and I definitely, clearly I ended up leaving that job and that was a bridge that I didn't even care to maintain. We no longer, you know, have a relationship on any level, but it's just that, that disconnect, right? Where it's like his thought was like, oh, on paper in the org chart, you're supporting it to me, so you should know my coffee order. And Flip, I was senior to a lot of other people in the organization and none of them knew my coffee order. Because I didn't want them to. I wanted to learn theirs so I can go buy them coffee. And it wasn't about kissing up. It's more so providing for the people who were beneath me. And, you know, long story short, I didn't buy him coffee that day. I was like, no, nah, I'm not interested in buying you coffee, homeboy. Like, that, that's not how we get down. But you take that philosophy and you expand it out to whatever it is that you do. You make sure that your employees eat first. Or in my instance, there is something that's nebulous and falls in the gray space. And so my growth marketing manager sends me an email about a logistical issue that's in a startup. It's kind of great, like where stuff falls, but it's more in his subject matter expertise, but kind of beyond his job scope. So I wake up at six in the morning. I see this email. He needs this thing solved. I spend three hours figuring out how to solve it. I get it solved and I send him back an email. It's resolved. You can now move forward because that's my job. You know, my job is not to be like, I'm the founder of this thing. I'm the boss. Right. Yeah, I dig it. And so you, you, you shared, you know, you know what it's like to have want. So therefore, you make sure you take care of other people. Talk to me a little bit about how your childhood and your upbringing has influenced you as a boss and as an entrepreneur. Oh, thank you for that. So you and I grew up in the same space. Literally, actually. Literally, Harbor City and Long Beach. Yeah, real talk. Right? Yeah. I think that when I said I was literally made for this, that's what I mean. I have had every experience I've needed to be exactly who I am today. Uh Fearless. I'm a true hustler at heart. Right. If something doesn't exist, I'll create it. Speak on it. Innovative, right? When we go without, we innovate. We we improvise. Exactly. We have to do to um, to have our needs met. And so I think that what I was pretty firm about growing up is making sure that I did it in a way that um, made sense to me. You know. Yep. So. I don't fold easily. I don't scare easily. Mm. I don't suffer in silence. Right. (laughs) I uh, ride the waves, you know, I ride the waves because that is what my childhood looked like for me. It was 
not as consistent as I wanted it to be. And now I understand why, because I was literally being created and cultivated and molded mm. in this space. So I needed that preparation. I thank God for that preparation. Thousand percent. Now, I, I think one of the things that folks miss out on, folks, one of the things that corporate America is missing out on by othering black and brown people in particular, yes. is this society has produced some amazing leaders by the function of the furnaces we've grown up in, mm-hmm. right? Because character is revealed when things get tough or the old saying, pressure burst pipes. Right. We have all these, you have this huge population of folks who've been put to these pressure cookers before they even go through puberty and they make it through with, with a simplest of sanity and then they continue on. And so when they end up in the same schools as you, like I know you went to USC, right? I went to University of Michigan. Yes. When they end up in these companies alongside folks who didn't go through really difficult situations, they're not even aware of the quality of individual that is sitting in the room that's going to be able to galvanize the team and move the team forward to, to make things happen. Well, most of them are not aware. I think some are. I've, I've seen some people recognize and like, huh, like you just don't fold under pressure, right? The, the, the skill that I have whenever there's a problem that gets presented, I instantly kick to, okay, well, what needs to be true for this problem to go away? I don't, ah, I don't, I don't get all flustered, which is, is it is a direct result of where we come from? Absolutely. I don't know that like in other people's neighborhoods, but I know that like in our neighborhoods. Absolutely. It was, it was the most perfect and precise environment. Um, I've learned since that we, we read it, we've been readily dismissed. And that was the purpose, uh, one of the purposes for which I began um, businesses going into entrepreneurship is that I did not want to play the game of begging to sit at someone else's table because I know who I am. And so long as I can create my own table and prove to myself who I am, I no longer need the validation from anybody in any space at any time. It's mm, mm, mm. at that point. Yep. No, it, it, it's so deep. And I remember you know, in total transparency, we actually had this particular conversation before. And you, uh, I think it was one of those times you messaged me like early in the morning. So I was, you know, knocked out and I woke up trying to like orient myself in the day and I saw a message from you so I'm like let me read this message first and you're talking about don't be asking for a seat at someone else's table where you can build your own and I was like boy that was not the first time I'd heard that but as an entrepreneur and where I was in that season Mm -hmm. it was the exact message that I needed to wake up to and I was like yes and I, I think it gets to the fear that we feel in stepping out heavy as the head that wears the crown, right? Like you, you are, you are the boss. You're making sure that your people have to eat first before you eat. And so that comes with some weight and some responsibility. And I think sometimes we get afraid and we buy into 
this illusion that we can just go safely hide out in corporate America or at some some job uh, working for someone else. But that's not true. It's not safe there. And it's not going to be easy. And, and so to your point, you're not seeking anyone else's validation. You're seeking your own validation to do your thing and make your mark on this world. And you're actually going out there and creating and establishing. You're building your own table instead of begging for a seat in someone else's, which is having to beg in general is so dehumanizing, right? Like it's, so, it's disrespectful, I think. If you believe in God like I do, it's disrespectful to God and the gifts that God's given you. If you don't believe in God, it's disrespectful to your, your parents, your family members, your ancestors who have uh, provided and sacrificed so much for you to have a shot, for you to go and beg somebody for something, and they're going to give you, you know, pennies on a dollar versus what you're actually worth. Absolutely. And, and that's what I meant when I said that we are typically readily dismissed. Mm-hmm. So mm. I have noticed over the years that there is some recognition of, wow, like, you know, your training. And when I say training, I mean my upbringing. If mm-hmm. I had to run three times faster, metaphorically, mm-hmm. if I had to train three times as hard as you did, if I had to hustle and work and grind and be a mother and go to school and add all of these different titles and, and different responsibilities, um, have those things added to my life just because I existed or just because, I, or in my case, because I made a choice, then by the time I get into the workforce, I'm a force to be reckoned with. thousand percent. Right, I've been conditioned. Yeah, no, you. the hardest deal was fours and the hottest fires. Right. And, and so to not put, you know, too much out there, but I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and share a little bit about your story that I know. It's like, you know, you had a child while you were in high school and I have a particular perspective on you because we've grown up together. And. I remember being in elementary school classes and being like, oh, I'm going to get the highest grade on this test. And looking across the room, it was like, wait, who beat me on this test? Right. And I used to always like understand, like, oh wow, okay. That's what's up. I respect and I see how smart you were and how gifted you you were from a young age. You you had that natural intelligence, academic talent, sense of self. Always had it. But there were all these obstacles in the neighborhood. And then a particular obstacle or opportunity, growth opportunity came your way. You were you had a child while you were in high school and kind of had to deal with that. And for many folks, they're talking about you being forged and being prepared. For many folks, that just derails their life and their life kind of goes the way in which it goes. They don't go on to complete their undergrad, finish high school, and then go on to complete their undergrad, then go on to go to get their master's degree from USC, then go on, you know, to do all the things you're doing in your career. And now you've started multiple companies. Like folks who come from where we come from, don't achieve those things. They definitely don't achieve them when they have a particular set of obstacles on their plate or cards they were dealt, that you were dealt in particular, yet here you are, bossing on them. Who are you at 15? I don't know that anybody really knows. So 
Right. I wasn't sure what will become of me as a result of my decision. Um, and I think that's why I try so hard to prove to myself who I am. Because when I was younger, when I was 15 years old, I did not know. And that right. caused me then to rely on the quote unquote knowledge of others. Yep. And apparently they didn't know either. Right. right. They told me, oh, <laughs> high school graduation is over for you. That's not in your cards. College is over for you. That's not in those, right. you know, those sorts of things. That's not your pathway. Um and they couldn't have been more wrong. I actually mm -hmm. attribute much of my success to the son that I had at 15 years old because it was because of my love for him that I would not quit. I am absolutely relentless when mm. it comes to uh, doing what's before me. Mm -hmm. And I, I do not fold. I, I will not ever change that about myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, and I'm, I'm I am. I consider myself blessed to have gotten to walk alongside you along this journey and kind of learn and be inspired because, you know, oftentimes people try and speak their fears into you, right? They look at your situation and they're like, wow, I will crumble in that situation. So let me go ahead and just speak this fear into her where it's like, nah, like <laughs> I'm built different. And I have different goals and objectives in life. There's, there's, there's what my destiny is. Mm -hmm. And I know that what you're saying to me, that is not what I'm built for. So let me go ahead and continue to push and go find. Even, even if you don't know, right? If someone's, but you go back when you were 15, someone's trying to tell you that high school is not, finishing high school is not in the cards for you anymore. And college is completely out of the picture. You might not have known exactly who you were, but then there's intuition, right? They're just like, when you hear that, like, mm, that, doesn't, that doesn't resonate with you. Yeah. Right? And so you're like, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to be, but I know what you're talking about is not what I'm going to be. I think it might have been the months that I did believe what they said that hurt me the most. Hurt mm. and eventually helped me the most because of the hurt, mm -hmm. because of the disappointment, because of me having the idea in my head that, wow, you know, decisions can really impact my life. And so what I did from that point forward, I think after the months of just sort of, wow, okay, I, I, I had teachers, my own, my own teacher, uh, my own counselor, my own mother, you know, um, share some great disappointment and not just disappointment, but it was almost like uh, the loss of the idealized life for me and for myself. Mm -hmm. And that period of grief and of the realization that I could have potentially did that is what crafted the need for me to overcome that particular circumstance. Mm -hmm. And I was able to prove to myself that I decide, God decides actually what my purpose is. And it is my responsibility to you, as you mentioned, the gifts and talents that he's given me, the faith that he's already given me. Mm -hmm. I don't need to implement it. I only need to um, 
materialize what he's already given me. And I knew full well what God gave me mm-hmm. years ago when I was a child. I just did not know what it would look like. I did not know if I would be able to overcome my circumstances. Um, but I think every time I did bust through a ceiling that I was told I would not be able to do sometime sooner, I graduated ultimately six months ahead of my class. Um, and I think that that journey, just my journey in general, just continues to speak to me. Mm-hmm. Continues to reinforce that I am God's child. Mm-hmm. And so long as I put one foot in front of the other and I walk in alignment with his purpose, that I take care of my business or businesses in this case, <laughs> literally, you know, my, right. my own business, that I will have success and that I will right. be, you know, uh, granted the opportunity then to give someone else an opportunity to be successful as well. And that is my platform. That's what I do. Um, I offer hope. I offer inspiration. I'll even offer a blueprint. For yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's, it's so amazing to watch it unfold, right? Like the, the journey you've been on and now you have the companies that you started where you have your um, trucking and logistics company, you have your professional coaching company, and God knows what's coming down the line because I, I have a pretty good hunch that you, you're not going to be done with just those two or, or at least the, the, the scale to which those can grow to under your stewardship is darn near infinite. Um, what advice, before I let you get out, because I know you, you have a pressing schedule, what advice would you have for a young entrepreneur or um, not or? Um, and in particular, a young entrepreneur who comes from a place like where we come from. Mm. Wow. Um, your circle is going to be huge. The people mm. that you need to engage with, because most people are sheep. Most people. That's... Um, that's the, the the average thinker is going to give you their doubt. They're going to project their fears and their worries onto you. And so it's your responsibility then to go out and search for like-minded people or even better mentorship. I think mentorship is huge. You want to see someone um, that is where you would like to be, that is happy with what they're doing. And you want to uh, get a, a good two or three mentors. And when I say two or three mentors, I mean, by my mentors are incredible people. Like I've, I've had to sometimes pay for courses to engage with them. They're, some of them are pretty high profile people. But I think investing in yourself and putting yourself in the room that you would not have otherwise been in will provide you with information that you will not get from sheep. Because they don't have that. A thousand, a thousand percent. And, you know, you said that, you know, how like the environment that you're in, what, what came to mind for me is like we're products of our environment. So even if you're not a sheep or people just can't control your mind, like they try and speak doubt into your life and you're not going to, if you're the type of person that's not going to be like, oh, I now believe you. 
But if you're around people that are always speaking doubt into your life, as opposed to trying to push you and support you and, and, and lift you up, you're then going to spend a lot of time thinking about, I can't believe they said this and arguing with them, as opposed to thinking about your purpose. You're arguing with someone or combating negative ideas or trying to pull you down. That's wasted energy. You're using the energy that you could use to actually execute. Thousand percent. So whether whether you're a sheep or not, you need to be mindful of who who you have around you. Absolutely. Yeah, because most yeah, most people aren't going to give you what you're looking for, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what's up. Well, I appreciate you being willing to be around me since Big Wheels. You know what I mean? Like it's uh it's, it's been it's been a good journey. Let's 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 keep doing that's this thing. Please. Um all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to you soon so we can connect. But uh thank you for taking the time to hop on Bootstrap. No doubt. Thank you, Anessa. I appreciate it. All right, peace. All right. Yo. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Bootstraps. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. And if you are enjoying Bootstraps in general, have a small favor to ask. Subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and give us a positive review if you are enjoying what you're hearing. And be sure to share it around, whether on social media, text, uh, email, however you share content that you enjoy. And until next time, remember... It's not about being perfect. It's about being better than you were yesterday. Peace.